Kia ora he uri tēnei o Te Ateawa me Taranaki ko Alistair Puna Samuvula Hau. Um, I teach at the Faculty of Māori and Indigenous Studies at the University of Waikato and one of the great joys of the last three years of my life has been um, a Marsden funded project called Writing the New World, Indigenous Texts 1900 to 1975. The project um, spends time going all around the region, 1900 to 1975, a period that we actually don't know that much about. We spend a lot of time talking about kind of first adventures and connections with Europeans coming into the region, and we talk about more recent things, but particularly in the area of writing and literary studies, which is my own background, um, it's kind of like what really happened between you know, the end of the kind of contact colonial period and Albert went, like, what, what happened in that time in between? Writing the New World um, has brought together 16 different Indigenous uh, researchers from all around the region with really different backgrounds um, and different perspectives and different skills. Um, and the podcast is intended to feature their views, their ideas, their experiences, so that you also can have an opportunity to connect um, with this writing, but also with the region that it comes from. The whole concept of the podcast is so much that happens at universities, um, really are, are things that people beyond the university might be interested in hearing about. We're interested in celebrating the writing from this time period, but also celebrating the work of the amazing researchers that have worked on the project. And so we are hopeful that members of their communities and the members of the communities um, that produce this writing in the first place um, would find these podcasts to be interesting and maybe um, would have them um, ask some questions and feel interested in knowing a bit more about the writing of their own communities. In order to contribute to the New Zealand um, Pacific and Māori Language Weeks, um, in 2020 a special issue of the podcast is being launched um, with each of those language weeks um, featuring people from those language communities um, speaking about their research in that language. Each episode of the podcast is going to be hosted by um, the doctoral student Wanda Iremia Allen Kirana. Today's podcast features Dr. Jesse and Stacey Kokawa, who are delving into the Hokan archival collection at the University of Otago. Stacey and Papa Jesse are looking and engaging with Cook Island's writing stored in these archives. Enjoy. Kirana koto katoto a toku ingoa ko Stacey ko Dr. Jesse Kokawa toku papa. Kirana. Taiko nei maua te uari tauka o hakena uh, no te kārangaranga i te tātā anga i te reo Māori kuki airani. Kia ora nā. Ei, akamata i te e tūtua. No ea mai koe. Ei, no roto mai au i te ua o ngā koko ua i roto i te oere nikau i rarotonga e nā rakua anau ia au ki Aotearoa nei uh, e nō ana au ki Parihau Mia 
kia ora na koutou ka tōtoa, taku ingoa ko Stacey, ko Dr. Jessica Kukua, tōku pāpa, teiko nei maua i te uare tauka o hākina, and we're just talking about some of the research I've done recently. Ea a tāau, ea ana rāwei nō rungu i te tata ana i te ao o. Writing the new world. Kua aere atu au i te atoro i te uare tauka o hākena. E nō te kimikimi i tētai o Nuta Pepa, te tātā i te au tāunga Māori nō te did you know about this writing previously? Mm, so, no, I was brought onto this project called Writing the New World with um, Alistair Palmer Somerville and at Waikato University. Um, and I was, I knew of the Cook Islands News, but I never knew there were other Cook Islands publications, let alone that they were in the Hockham collections. Who were some of the Māori writers? Um, so of this particular um, publication, this is called the Cook Islands Review. Um, so as you can see, they kind of went through a lot of different changes. This being the first um, issue and this being the last, um, when we see a transition to a more tourism-based publication. Um, but there was a really um, great contributor who was really concerned with the use of Māori in um, this publication because, as you can see, they were primarily concerned with um, bridging the gap initially. Um, and they were trying to use as much Māori as they could, but some readers weren't happy. And so um, a lot of contributors started off writing letters to the editor, and then it kind of went from there. Um, it was also where Taina Riri, um, you start to see pieces of his writing, um, who was our, one of our more prolific writers in the Cook Islands. So, um, yeah, it, it would seem to be somewhere that um, by writing to these editors they could start exploring what they wanted to write about, really. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, Taito was quite prolific. Were there, were there other quite prolific writers there? I'd say Taito was one of the most frequent contributors, but then there was a person who went by Jay Numa, and he started off just writing letters to the editor. Um, he'd obviously had an education in New Zealand and had returned and was very um, astute in te reo Māori. Um, and then eventually he be had his own column um, as a kind of critic, social critic of island activity. And it was, it was really cool to read. Yeah, I'd say they were the two biggest contributors, apart from maybe um, there was some cultural mm -hmm. content that was... So it was criticism about 
language or uh, it started off with language. <laughs> it started off with language. It was also things like uh, colonialism, um, how the colonial administrators were operating within the island. Um, also, critique of how Cook Islanders themselves um, worked, interacted. Yeah, it was really interesting. And where was it published or circulated? So, um, in, in the Cook Islands, the only print press was in Rarotonga, and it was run by the New Zealand Colonial Administration. So the only way that Cook Islanders could publish any type of writing was if they had connections to New Zealand, or if they could convince the editors of these papers that they were worth publishing. So. Um, we always talk about how there wasn't much um, indigenous Cook Island writers at this time, but I don't think that was for want of trying. It was just that it was really difficult um, to disseminate your ideas. Um, also, probably also the fact that you know we're oral communicators traditionally, but also um, it was basically uh, a whole lot of papa um gatekeepers who chose who was going to get published and who wasn't. Yeah. What other publications were there at that time? Um, so when the review started, I don't think there was much else um, aside from anthropological works. Um, so the Cook Islands News came later um, but, and that was, I think the Cook Islands News started around the time of, um, uh, the Constitution. So, um, but the, this first issue was in 1955, and apart from, like, newsletters and smaller publications, this was one of the first, um, uh, papers that I found anyway um, that uses te reo Māori in Kukiarangi. Yeah, it's quite interesting with the Cook Islands Review. Um, so originally, in this first issue where we have um, bridging a gap, um, the editor is uh, G. Neville um, and he obviously was intending to write this, what well, he was intending that it would be read by Cook Islands indigenous people and Māori, but also expat um, citizens. Maybe citizens? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so um, everything was written in both English and Te Reo Māori. And um, yeah. I really got the sense reading through that there was a sincere intention to have good quality Māori writing there um, and for that reason when he was critiqued about um, by Numa about the use of Māori he, that person was then later hired to write a column and I think that speaks of his intention however 
um, later on as the administration changed, as independence, there was a, a lot of conflict and tension between these colonial administrators who ran the press and this, um, you know, indigenous Cook Islanders who were saying, we want to govern ourselves now. You see a real big shift. <laughs> and, um, so this is, 1956, so this is not far along the track, but we're starting to see more um, stories about public servants. And then as you keep closer towards um, and Cook Islands gaining independence, you see more um, celebratory articles of all the things that the colonial administration is doing for um, the Cook Islands. So, um, and, and I guess that in a way was for a Cook Islands audience because they were wanting to be like, we are good for you. <laughs> Why can't you see all the things we do? Um, but later on, um, as the Cook Islands gains independence and kind of works out what direction they want to go, um, our first premier, Albert Henry, decides with his team that they're going to pursue tourism as um, a means to set a foundation for the economy. Um, and so you buy, I think this one's 1970. So, ah, uh, well, yeah, yeah, 1970. So by 1970, several years after um, self-governance, self um, you start to see these very glossy publications, have a lot of ads, um, and a lot of um, photos of um, performers, and Albert Henry, he's here. Um, turning the first sort for the airport. So um, it's a very different publication at this time compared to what it is here. And that is a matter of 15 years between those. And it was just such a time of great change and that's why the Cook Islands Review interests me because it, it really maps, you know, one and a half decades of really um, really interesting time mm -hmm. in Cook Islands. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the focus of the review changed over time. Mm. Were there any recurring themes throughout? Or did uh, they change the review? Yeah, I think they did. Um, I think in the earlier issues, because there was more um, contributions from islanders who were writing and speaking to their concerns, um, there's a strong theme of um, fear about the loss of te Māori, about, and I, I find it interesting because that's a fear we, you know, we hear today about. Um, you know, being concerned that we're losing some of the complexity and the sophistication of the language 
they talk about it here, um, fears that children are learning te reo papa'a at the loss of Cook Islands Māori, fear that um, with embracing papa'a society we're losing aspects of Cook Islands culture. Um, but as I was reading it, I just kind of um, came to think of the resilience of Cook Islands people because it's kind of not a new thing. It's, it's one that started when New Zealand took over um, in 1902. This, and they, they were just waiting for the indigenous people of the Cook Islands to just kind of die out, literally. And um, it just doesn't happen. Just keep coming back. <laughs> Was there a piece of writing you particularly enjoyed? Uh, the articles? I really enjoyed everything by Numa because he's so candid mm -hmm. and um, and sincere in his criticism. He writes not worrying about um, what people are gonna, what how people are gonna respond. Let's go. As indigenous researchers, um, we're encouraged to leave work for other indigenous scholars to undertake and leave trails to help them along the way. Do you have any advice for future indigenous scholars wanting to engage with your research? What direction would you like to point future scholars to? Um. I think the primary thing is the fact that my te reo Māori is De Um I, I knew what I was reading but it took me a long time. The best thing would be someone who is fluent um, to come through because there's so much here at the, in the Hocken collections. Um, I would argue there's more here than there probably is in the Cook Islands. And that is not to say we don't value our archives, but it's just the fact that this place is yeah, hugely resourced in comparison. Um, it's very cold here in Dunedin, so um, we have really good conditions for preserving documents. Um, but yeah, someone with a good grasp of Te reo Māori kuki airani could come here and really get um, a huge perspective of what was happening in the Cook Islands, um, you know, 1900 through to, um, through to now. And I think it presents a really interesting opportunity and a, um, for researchers, but also for Cook Islanders to learn about ourselves and about our history. Because um, I know personally I learned so much Māori, but I also learned about, you know, all the things that happened in this quite complex relationship between New Zealand and the Cook Islands. Yeah, but my key recommendation is uh, Māori speaker mm. to go through. Mm. Quite a hidden treasure. Yes, definitely. Good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.